0: America's webradio.com, AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Good morning. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. I'm Kurt Sumner, your host. Glad you could join us this morning for another interesting show. I have with me today Joe Romano, who is a professional licensed surveyor, a principal and VP in hey, surveying and mapping yeah, at yeah, a company, and I'm going to get this right, I hope. Joe Langan, is that correct?
2: Yep, you got it right. Well, there's many, but that's that's the easiest way to say it. <laughs> well,
1: about anything. <laughs> that's spelled L-A-N-G-A-N. Um, and, and I was looking at the information about the company. Uh, lots of offices. Uh, by my count, you've got a dozen offices in home? this country yeah. and seven international <laughs> offices. That's, that's a pretty big company.
2: Yeah, there's uh, so actually much. 27 in the U.S., um, Oh, wow. And seven international, the latest oh, so two. I, the,
1: the states yeah. I looked I mean, the, what I looked at was just the states. You have more than oh, one yeah, yeah. in some states. Okay, got
3: it.
2: Yeah. And the now reason we, I said, uh, Kurt, the reason I said there's many names is, you know, due to the unique licensure uh, uh, requirements in every state, you need a different name to practice different services in each state. Right. So, right,
1: yeah. So this is sort of the, the parent. From which all the others are apart.
2: Yeah, we we've branded ourselves as Langen, and then list all the other names collectively known as Langen is the way we like to refer to it. I see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, obviously you're a, you're a, a licensed surveyor, so tell us a bit about you and the company, and how you got connected to them.
2: Sure. Um, so I'll give you a little uh elevator spiel about uh langen. It's uh forty seven years old firm. Um, you heard uh where we're located. We started in New Jersey. Four gentlemen left a, a firm uh they all had geotechnical backgrounds and that's what the firm is rooted in that service is it's what we're best known for, our geotechnical ability. Um, and as the company grew over the last forty seven years we grew services that were were needed to help control a process and that that's mostly site civil geotech environmental then we do traffic surveying and mapping of course landscape architecture natural resources uh on the clean and dirty side and most of our clients uh are on the public sector um today we're about 1100 people and I'm, i'm pretty proud to say that uh we did that growth mostly uh, organic and internal. We had one small acquisition on the West Coast of a great firm, Treadwell and Rolo, which is uh, really aligned with our core values, um, and that went really, really smooth. Um, and it gave us some presence on the West Coast uh, due to the seismic uh, needs that are specialized out there.
1: Right. Actually, that's pretty impressive to grow that much um for lack of a better term, on your own because you see a lot of companies that grow um, across the country, across the world even and oftentimes that's almost exclusively through acquisitions.
2: Yeah, I think it's... uh, uh, I came to Langen in... uh, I hate to date myself, but I came in 81 um, and there was 35 people and it's just the culture that we have and, and we've been able to maintain, I think, the idea of... You know, culture and entrepreneurialism is pretty important in a firm, um, and you got to be careful, I think, if you do a lot of acquisitions that some of that could change. I mean, everybody changes and grows, but you got to be careful that it's not counterproductive.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've been in situations over time through the years uh, being involved in companies where there were acquisitions of similar companies doing the same basic types of things, just more or less for more geographic reach and you're absolutely correct about the the adjustments that that need to be made uh, from I, I don't recall ever having been involved in one of one of those where there wasn't a pretty significant amount of growing pains and adjustment just from a cultural
3: perspective
2: yeah I, I would say uh, yeah you're right you're right on target and and that we want it to hold true to that, and we're pretty careful of that. Um, otherwise, you end up with three people doing the same job at the same level, uh, all with different philosophies, and it, it, it is a tough thing to manage. Um,
1: well, you're a pretty young guy. You must have been a rookie PLS when yeah. you <laughs> to work for that guy.
2: Well, I, I didn't start here in, in that way. I started actually in the drafting room, if anybody remembers uh, Leroy Set and the ammonia machine. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. But, um, I remember those well? Actually, I remember the days before the, Relo- the Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I never got the draft on uh, Lennon, So, yeah. <laughs>
1: but so, yeah, but but that's. I think I think those kind of experiences, though, that that people and I'll put you generally in my age group. Although you're not as old as I am, but um, I think the experiences that we went through and the things that we learned really put us in a great position to maybe better appreciate. And and perhaps understand the the newer technologies as they come along and what they can do for you, but still recognizing their underlying principles. You can't forget.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I, like I said, I started in the in the print room and and uh, and on the drafting table, and I uh, they had a pretty good school program reimbursement program uh, as we do today, and I took advantage of that. I went back to school at night at NJIT. Um, in New Jersey and uh, I was in the middle of taking a surveying class and we were doing some settlement monitoring and some uh, deformation monitoring and I was like I really like this survey stuff and uh, we had bought a computer system called MOS which stands for modeling of surface strings and I was able to learn that and uh, we saw, said uh, I thought that if I set off on uh, having a survey group that that would be my little uh, Business inside this business, and it, it, it's been quite successful. So, in about eighty-five, we hired a PLS that I worked on there, and told me a lot of old-school ways and the traditional ways. Um, and today, uh, I have seventy people in the survey group.
1: That's a pretty good number.
2: Yeah, I mean pretty it's sure. uh, the internal growth and in the, the size of the company, um, and. The way we're set up really affords me a lot of opportunities um, that may may not be would may not be there if I was uh, just out on my own. Um, And like you said, the the technology is—I really enjoy doing bringing new technology to the group and to the firm as a whole.
1: Yeah, that was—you just told me something I probably should have been aware of, but I—but I was not. And that is uh, the longevity of the. The program at NJIT, I, I, it must have started when in the early 80s or.
2: Well, no, that's a that's a whole other story. But I started in the construction um, on a degree, which program they had was called oh, construction said. technology, and then in 90 they announced the state announced they were going to go to a degree requirement, um, so there was a mad rush to. Uh, For everybody to get into school, and they actually they announced that before NJIT had their program in place, which was odd because there was nowhere in the state to get a degree, I believe. Um, So I was the last group of people to uh, get in based on um, experience.
1: Yeah, and that 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 issue of schools availability of schools and four-year degree requirements um, as is an issue in lots of different places. I the the right now there's a discussion going on although i I got an email this morning that is very encouraging with regard to the situation but um this thing just kind of sprang up through the chancellor at the school at new mexico state university and it's a ABET accredited surveying engineering program and uh, they were basically just going to cut it because they had to get rid of a bunch of expense um, uh, you know funding for the university Uh, the, the email i got this morning was encouraging i'm not saying that it's it's exactly what they were looking for, but yeah. but um, it, it creates those kind of situations. They're in the same spot in Mexico now. They have an absolute four-year degree requirement, and so if their school goes away, then you know what happens where they're going to get there, where they're going to train their next group. So, um, and what's interesting about that? I, I may have even talked about this on the show recently. Is that there are a lot of places where four-year degree is in the licensing law and is kind of touted as being the way to licensure. But in many of those states, there are still other opportunities to get to licensure without the four-year degree. And New Mexico and New Jersey have to be two of those.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I love I love what I do. I love the profession, and I like giving back to it. So I'm actually on an advisory committee at NGIT and at Rutgers for, for that reason. I mean, even on the civil side, uh, a lot of the schools have taken away the surveying requirement as a class. And it's it's, it's oh, yeah. I see the civils come out, and it's really a, it really puts them at a disadvantage not to understand what we do and why we do it.
1: A- absolutely, and just for no other reason than just having an appreciation for what what it is we do and what and how it, how it's done and what it really means to to their processes. It's you know, it's not just a an exercise; it's it's actually something that requires a lot of of uh, thought process and discipline. And, what
2: have you? Yeah, so I hope uh, as a profession we can uh, come to some resolution on that because it's it's pretty important to keep it going that way. Um, oh yeah, I, I think no, the no degree question. programs yeah. uh, a must. I think it, having having a degree makes you really make it a career versus a job.
1: Right. Yeah, and and I've mentioned this on the show before too that the whole professionalism thing comes in, and of course from my perspective, professionalism is something yeah. that. That you as an individual have, it's not something that's taught to you necessarily. Um, but certainly in terms of gathering all the pieces that help you become that professional, that's, in today's world, it's, it's really, really difficult to a- acquire all that without the, without the education for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, w- I would agree. Now you were talking
1: about, you guys had a, a training, internal training program. Um, uh, Does that go up and down the, all up, through all the disciplines?
2: Yeah, I mean, so as a firm, we're pretty geared towards, uh, obviously, towards retaining our people. And one of the ways you can do that is professional development and, and training. So we pay a lot of time and attention to that. Um, I, I think that's important. Um, you know, everybody comes out of school and they think they know more than they know. Um, or you'll get, in a, you'll get a resume and they'll say, I know that program. But, you know, you, you still have your own firm standards and your – your own firm policies and procedures that you want them to learn so i think yeah you have to especially today i mean with the younger generation working remotely and technology as fast as it's growing you have to have a lot of trust in your people and you have to have some flexibility so especially working remotely you need to have some standards and, and training in place so yeah we we put a lot of effort into every discipline um
1: yeah for that I- and I can see where that that's important in a company that size, too, because it, I'm, I'm making a guess here, but I'm I'm assuming that you don't necessarily have every discipline in every office, so you may need to depend on people from other offices to help with some tasks.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. So if you, if you you know, dissect that a little further, the survey group is mostly located up in the northeast, um, although we're licensed in a lot of other places. So either... Um, I have somebody in an office that that has some survey knowledge and background, just as a local person. Because if you're not, you know, you need to be at the table to make sure that um, that your serve not that, you, that 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 discipline is uh, involved when it should be involved. So I like Very to have true. somebody in every office. Um, and, I hate to interrupt,
1: uh, but we are, believe it or not, at our first break. Wow. I told you this was okay. going to go fast.
2: Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> Let's go to the first break. Okay.
4: Attention surveyors, Seansted announces the Maggie, the next you? generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seansted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seansted.com. Seansted, the best just got better.
1: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz,
0: Wednesdays at 2. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to QuickState.com. that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
3: Attention surveyors. Are you aware that that yellow stick you're using is saving lives all over the world? Yes, that pinfinder is clearing fields and villages of unexploded cluster bombs and other hidden explosives in over 25 countries. Johnstead, in cooperation with International Mine Action Programs, provides free locators to where they are most urgently needed. To find out how you can help, visit the NSPS website at nsps.us.com. And thank you.
5: You're listening to America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Okay, I thought I heard you in the background there. Thank you, David. Um, before we went to break, uh, Joe and I were talking about um, the type of company that he's in and, and all that goes with it in terms of the multiple disciplines and the, the different offices and what have you. And, and Joe, you were talking about the the training part and the and the sharing of, of responsibilities, so to speak, so you you don't necessarily have surveyors everywhere. You may not have some other discipline somewhere else, and so orchestrating all of those things, um, I guess, can be uh, quite challenging as well.
2: Yeah, I think as a uh, you know, I said earlier, a lot of our um, clientele is private, and uh, sometimes or most of the times, we found that they like a one stop shop. So, being able to come here and get um, representation of every service is pretty critical. Um, so the, the states where we don't have a person sitting, I've been fortunate enough to form uh, some sort of, I call it, a strategic alliance with a local survey firm, um, and that's been quite helpful. And even in states where we're licensed, then we may we don't have staff, we will use that same model. You know, there's, there's nothing like the local knowledge in in, in our firm. in our service. Um, But I I will say I grew the group with the same way the firm grows, put people that are, um, that love a challenge, that are driven, are professional, have the technical background, and uh, the desire to to run their own office, and then kind of let them go with it. And it's been, knock on wood, it's been a very successful model for me. Um, You know, if you could work for a larger firm and, and have that support. Um, and that the, all those people behind you, um, and you're sitting in Pittsburgh, let's say, or in Houston, Texas, and you're running a group, um, and you know that if you get a big job, you 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 got the other 70 people around there to help you. It, it's it it gives you a little bit of a sense of comfort. Now, to that end, I'm always looking for more people to fill those spots, and that's the largest challenge that I think I face, as as most people listening to this call may may find.
1: Yeah, and uh, it might be worth having a little uh, part of our chat about that because it seems to me, of course, I'm not in the full practice the way I used to be. Obviously, I'm sitting here doing this thing. Uh, well, <laughs> sitting here is probably not a good term, but doing it wherever I have to be. But, uh, but those challenges must be uh, must be pretty uh, high right now. Or It seems to me they would be because I, I recall even when I was in – your situation uh, on a smaller scale company, but still with the national uh, reach in terms of, of partners that help me do work, um, it, it seems that our, our talent pool is, is harder to pull together these days, and, I, and I've, I mentioned this on the show before, a lot of people I talked to there in the last recession, particularly at the, the technician level, people went away and aren't ever coming back.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, that certainly happened to us. Um we had a lot of people that we trained and when the recession came, we you know, we were fortunate. We had we were able to keep most of them. Um but the people that we couldn't keep, you're right, they they did not come back. Um that's why retainage and placing new technology and challenging each employee, you know, to accept what they want to accept and maybe push them to to see that there's more out there is critical, I think. Um Finding people is tough. It's very, 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 very tough. Um, And uh, I think the days of somebody like uh, me being here 35 years is maybe coming to an end. But we have a pretty great retainage. Um, If you look at our management and most of my people, they've been here a long time. It's a a good place to be. And I think that's because we do challenge people. We do bring technology in. And we kind of let them find their sweet spot. Um, whether it's technology driven or or discipline driven,
1: yeah, I've, I've talked with with people a lot about that whole concept of of retaining employees and how it's changed even even from the time when you know when I was first getting out of school. And you kind of go in with the thought, well, I'm gonna get hooked up with a company and I might want to way up through that company, it's kind of like you've done actually. And I don't think young people today even think that way.
2: No, no. There, there. A lot of younger people who are ready to move at a, you know, the drop of a dime. But I think it's our challenge to find innovative, innovative ways to to keep them challenged. Like ten years ago, if I was on this call and you said to me, uh, we recently started a mobile mapping and a drone unit uh, a little over a year and a half ago, and a lot of those people work remote. And a year and a half ago, if you had said, Joe, you know, you're going to have a bunch of people working remote out of their office in their home, I would be like, no way, that don't work. But, you know, it works, it works well if you have the right people and the right technology to support it.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess in a lot of ways it it cuts down on uh, internal, internal infrastructure costs perhaps. It uh, certainly makes it easier for a lot of people to be able to, to function rather than having to get into an office someplace and then head off. They can just go to work
2: yeah and if it's uh, you know we talked uh in the first session segment there about professionalism and you know if you hire people that are professional and they know what their task is and they're going to get it done and do they have to sit at the same desk i do and have the same phone as i do I don't, I don't know if that's true you know if they're professional give them a task they'll get it done when they're supposed to get it done and it's been it's worked well for me
1: yeah that's that's great you know, when you and I first started chatting um, in earnest a while back, our conversation started out really about something you've gotten involved in, the, which is known as the U.S. Institute of Building Documentation. Um, maybe you could be, begin telling people what that's about in this segment. I'm sure we'll carry over to the next one. But um, I think uh, our listeners will be really interested in, in what it's about and what its reach is and what its intent is and those kind of things.
2: Okay. So a a little bit of background, um, I said the firm likes to invest in technology. So about 2000, we started looking at laser scanning, um, as a service, you know, Cyrex was being marketed to everybody. And I think a lot of people didn't know what to do with it at that time, as did we, we weren't sure what to do with all that data, um, that it produced back then. So, uh, we have a group that looks at technology and about 2002 we bought our first scanner Um, and since then and today we've invested very heavily in that market Um, but one of the things I found out early on I would say well two things we talked about the recession and being diverse and being able to put that technology out there is one of the things that helped me carry us through the recession Um, we were fortunate enough to meet one of the fellows, uh, one of the gentlemen that we co-founded the USIBD with, this gentleman, John Russo. uh, He's an architect in California who did building documentation. And we went after, the GSA had put out on-call contracts. And I met John and we put some teams together and we were fortunate enough our team to win, well, actually, we won three of the six contracts. And it it showed us something. It showed us that there weren't a lot of standards out there. It showed us that while surveyors think that legislation and rules and statutes can drive our business. Sometimes that's not true as, as we all found out with uh, when GIS came out, those who didn't embrace it kind of fought it. Um, and I, I watched that as, uh, as I grew my career and I didn't want the same thing to happen with scanning. Um, and as I grew the group within the firm um, and as the and people who worked for me grew, We saw more and more of it was, uh, of that service was architectural based, and that is the task or or the discipline that led us through this recession. Um, So John and I uh, formed a friendship, and I always looked at scanning kind of like we look at surveying. You know, I knew that we couldn't legislate, only a surveyor could use a scanner, even though that's, those words are in a lot of our statutes, Um, but you can't. You know, you can't legislate the work that way. But I thought of it as a different way. I thought of it kind of like out the standards. If there was a standard and a certification process where an architect or an MEP or an owner or developer was required or uh, maybe um, encouraged is a better word to use a certification process for his information, he would want to go back to those people that can drive or complete that certification. So that's kind of how we started. That was the idea in my mind when I met John.
1: And so that's, has that been the, the pretty much the basis of the, of the organization altogether? Um, and, and I know you've reached out to other groups for collaboration and that type of thing. So um, I, you're, you're looking for um, maybe ultimately at some point that a standard comes out through through the organization and all the people who are kind of tied to that and and have collaborations with with other organizations like like us the same as we do with ALTA for that particular standard.
2: Yeah, so you know so so if you went back in time and you looked that was about, you know, 2009 we we really sat down and we we said we're going to do this and and we're going to figure out how to do it. Um and there was a whole bunch of us who put some seed money together. We weren't sure what the name was going to be. Um, I remember back at SPAR in 2011, um, there was a bunch of us there, and John stood up, and he introduced the group as the United States Institute of Building Surveyors. And obviously, we can't use the name surveyor in it. And we we vetted that for a little bit, but we came up with a, with a good name. And and the goal was there was a bunch of pe- there's a bunch of people involved, and there's still many of us are still involved um and the goal was not just the standards and to drive the business the the goal was to provide education for our clients or for end users of the product um, whether it be a point cloud or photogrammetry to document a building or sketching or whatever um so we wanted to have an educational process we were losing a lot of work to people who just went and bought a scanner and didn't know how to use it um so we wanted to create a way for our clients to compare apples to apples. Um, so we, we wanted to have a blank RFP uh, template. We wanted to have an RFQ template and our standards. Um, and, and I have to say, through some dedicated people, I mean, it's, it's pretty difficult to get an organization off the ground with all the legal aspects and everybody's full-time job, but there was a lot of people who dedicated a lot of time to get it to where it is right now. Um and I think some of us have different goals for the end of the organization, but we're all—we all know that we needed something. Many people look back to the AIA standards. If, if anybody uh, listening to this uses um, does Scan to BIM, they would know that uh, AIA has a set of standards. But those standards are all for design, and everything we found was for design. Uh, we really needed something that was unique to the what we do just like surveying is so unique to you know line of sight and and the things that we deal with um we needed something different than the design side
1: yeah makes sense and we we deal with a lot of this i know we're 30 seconds from break here but we Mm -hmm. deal you were talking about the other people's standards we ask all the time to review those kind of standards or be part of them but they're, they're not written by us. <laughs> in, in some yeah. cases, you know, LTA is, but the others aren't. So maybe when we come back, we can talk about some of that a little bit and uh, maybe draw some comparisons to how these standards get put together. So sure. let's do the break.
3: We'll be right back. Attention, surveyors. Are you aware that that yellow stick you're using is saving lives all over the world? Yes, that pinfinder is clearing fields and villages of unexploded cluster bombs and other hidden explosives in over 25 countries. Johnstead, in cooperation with International Mine Action Programs, provides free locators to where they are most urgently needed. To find out how you can help, visit the NSPS website at nsps.us.com. And
0: thank you. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstate.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today
5: did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on com and on itunes you can listen to your favorite programs on America's anytime you like.
4: Attention, surveyors. Seanstedt announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
5: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening,
1: Joe. Before we were going to break, you were you were talking a lot about uh, developing standards and positioning oneself to do these pieces of work that, in many cases, other folks were taking. And and, and as you said, and and rightfully so, you can't you can't legislate other people out of using equipment. Uh, so you you have, like you've done with this this, and a lot of other people have done too. You have to create standards that that draws a distinction between how people are using uh, the equipment and, you know, into what efficiency and what what professionalism. Um, and it, it kind of harkens back to all of the technologies, I guess, that have come along in the last 30, 40 years. We in the surveying profession always seem to be at the point of, how did that get away from us? Uh, and I, I, I'm interested about your thoughts on that.
2: Oh well, yeah, you're you're you're. You know, it's funny, right? You're hundred thousand percent correct. How, how did it get away from us? And you know, uh, instead of being defensive about it, um, like many people were with the world of uh, GIS when it first came out, or even like we talked about a minute ago, GPS, um, we, we a couple of us felt that it would be better to control our destiny. When you look at risk, you know, what better way is is there to control risk? than to control the process. And, uh, you know, we could sit here all day and talk about, you know, how to use the scanner and if that's the, the method we're using to document a building and scanner placement and line of sight and target placement and calibration and temperature range and all the things, you know, does it have a, tilt, a tiltometer in it? Does it, all, all the things that we use and talk about or we've learned as a surveyor. But at the end of the day, you're competing against people that may not care about any of that. Um, you can you have to take into account a manufacturer who wants to sell his piece of equipment and you know he's going to rely on push button technology where you don't know what's happening in the background um, all those things as as you mentioned earlier the the history of what we did in my 30 years experience or your experience gave you the foundation to know how to move forward right as technology changes so that was that was some of the idea behind it um and we looked you know we first sat down we're like there's got to be something out there you know there's got to be some existing standards so of course we looked at aia we looked at uh one called um risk rics which is uh, a european standard we looked at boma boma's really more about space accounting and and it's real estate based and it's more 2d um we looked at BIM form, which is who we ended up. We signed our first agreement with the BIM form, um, which is hopefully we're going to sign the same MOU with, uh, with NSPS, uh, shortly. Um, but we looked at those understand those standards before we started. Um, cause we thought there was some out there and there was nothing out there. There was another gentleman who was trying to do the same thing as we were. Um, so he joined forces with us and, uh, you know, today we have almost—I think we have almost 200 members.
1: Wow! Yeah, you were mentioning the the, the RICS and the and the BOMA thing. Um, I'm actually involved in a group called the International Property Measurement Standards Group.
2: Yep, yep, yep. But
1: that group isn't about how; it's about what. Yeah. And so it's it's a it's a different kind of thing. I mean. And it was written for, as you said, for the purposes of people who need to understand if you're saying you measured something, you're all talking the same language. It's not about what the process is for measuring and getting, you know, accurate measurement so much as it is, um, for lack of a better term, truth in advertising.
2: Well, you know, yeah, and, and so that brings up an interesting point. There was we we have that challenge. Do we say to somebody, "You have to measure to a sixteenth of an inch to do this"? Um, just knowing, if any, if you working in this technology for a while since 2002, I mean, those specs that are out there are just like ridiculous. Um, you know, for a manufacturer to say, you know, he, his laser scanner is accurate to a 32nd of an inch plus or minus two parts per million at 35 degrees at an altitude of 200 is, you know, like no one understands that, you know. Right. Um, and I, I speak a lot on this technology, and I always say that, like, I don't understand it. Um, so when we looked at that, we, we wrestled with the idea, do we give a standard that is procedurally, you know, every time you set the scanner up, you do this every time. That's what we were trying to stay away from. So we looked to the BIM form because they were pretty successful on the design side of what um, they do, and and we tried to mimic that. Well, we did mimic that, not that we tried. So they have what they call level of development, which really speaks to the model element. So if it's a column, for instance, their levels of development go from a box to very highly detailed with anchor bolts and gusset plates and leveling pad and all attribute data. Um, and we wanted to focus on the existing side of that, um, but knowing that different technologies produce different accuracies, we felt that that could be a contract negotiation between the user, the provider, and the client. So, if you looked at our standards, uh, we call them a level of accuracy, and you'll see their ranges. There's no absolute in it, so. We did that on purpose because we wanted to be able to have the flexibility um, for the developer, or from sorry, for each client and each provider. So, so you know, does that make well, sense?
1: Yeah, and I was just going to say, in a way, it's it's sort of like this is a bit of a stretch, but it's all, it's kind of like the table A of the LTA and SPS standards. It's it's this is where you actually get down to talking about. More specifics on what people really want, aside from the basics that they have to have.
2: Yeah, I mean, what, what we did a really, really large project, seven hundred thousand square feet for a, a, a hospital in Virginia, and I'm telling you, it was a, a lot of money and a lot of time spent to do a very accurate model of three floors of the building. The whole thing got knocked out. You know, the whole area was demolished and replaced, and. You know, with somebody's idea that they want a real accurate model so they could design everything accurately, even the stuff that was going to be removed. And did it really require the accuracy that we gave it in the beginning? You know, we had all those conversations, too. But, you know, could he have gotten away with plus or minus an inch, two inch? Did he really need us to say, oh, yeah, everything's accurate to, you know, three quarters of an inch or a half inch? So that's what we wanted to have, the flexibility in our standards. And if you look at the standards, they range from, um, they range from like zero to a 16th, 16th to a quarter. And those ranges um, uh, for measured accuracy and versus modeled accuracy. And we actually put dollar signs in there to help guide people to show them easily that the more accurate stuff will require more dollars.
1: And, and that makes perfect sense because, like anything else in life, there's never really a one size fits all for anything. Um, and, and particularly in the situations you're talking about, where people are looking at similar situations for different purposes, so that makes that makes a lot of sense that you have that that kind of flexibility. And it's not uh, you've got to do this in each and every case.
2: Basically, I guess is what you're doing yeah and we you know we talk about measured accuracy or represented accuracy um and the the standards if if anybody goes and downloads them they're available on the website um if anybody took a look at those standards, you will see that they're you don't need to spec the same accuracy levels for each element so you may want to get the floors and the walls real accurate but you know you're going to take out all the windows and the doors so you, you really don't care about those where you know you're going to take all the MEP out and you just want a placeholder so maybe that accuracy is a different level whereas with no standard you don't know what you're getting
1: right
2: um and and that was the problem we were that was the real problem we were having so we created them to be flexible um it's basically a, a large spreadsheet with almost all the elements and we actually we also gave um, what we what we consider the most common um, standard for each or level of accuracy for each um, each one of the different elements Um, because we know that some people aren't going to don't want to take the time or don't need to take the time to look at every element throughout a building so we have the suggested uh, accuracies the uh, accepted ones which are commonly used but not as much as the suggested and then the special ones which are really you know unique cases of modeling
1: you know you and I both being surveyors we kind of understand the nature of the beast I'm curious if if conveying that philosophy to the surveyors who are involved in in the measurement is uh, challenging sometimes because you know sometimes we like to think we've got to have this you know, everything has to be done this way <laughs> yeah so I'm just
2: curious if you run into that we we well we do and and uh less so with the people who are, don't have the survey background or the survey baggage that we yeah. all have about you know calibrating the instrument every day and did you do your collimation and all the things that we tell our guys to do um it, it they it, it's a different conversation but yes yeah, some surveyors uh they focus back on the ability to measure and check those measurements i mean that you know some of these scanners are collecting you know a half a million points a second and it, it, it's it's a different philosophy of thinking i found um, i had to, some sometimes i have to take my surveyor's hat off and think a little differently especially in an architectural environment
1: oh yeah i, I can see that and i, I very proudly say that I've never worked with a set of architectural drawings where all the numbers actually add up, so we know that there's <laughs> flexibility there.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know, so that's some of the challenges we met. So you picture you scan a wall and you hand it to a or a floor, and you hand it to a survey technician that's used to generating contours, and they're looking at every little deflection in that point cloud, and, and the point cloud has thickness, and the point cloud has some interpretation to create the element that you're trying to model, and and that's. Why we went with the range of modeled elements um, for that for that flexibility and knowing, you know, I, I, I speak a lot. Like I said, I talk a lot about this, and I I think it's really critical that people understand that every time we touch the data, we add some more uh, inaccuracies to it. So the most accurate, the best thing you could do is locate it as accurately as you can, because every time you touch it and you interpolate or, or try to evaluate what that surface means to you as a user. Um, or through your eyes, um, you're adding some more uh, inaccuracies, let's say.
1: Right. And I can see, and, and believe it or not, we're now 45 seconds from our next break. <laughs> so, um, but, and, and maybe we can pick up on this when we come back. But it, it just really points out, I think, in, in what you, you all have been doing, is that when you're dealing with a variety of different people, doing similar activities for sometimes different purposes the more people you get involved in that discussion before you start laying down criterion um, I think is, is, is better and it sounds like maybe we can talk about that a little bit when we come back you were talking about the 200 people it's kind of be interesting to see some of the folks you're involved with but from my perspective that makes an awful lot of sense that when you're setting these kind of standards you get all the people involved rather than sort of doing it from your vacuum so when we come back maybe we can talk about that a little bit.
2: Sounds like a
4: plan. Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
1: Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at
0: ObamacareWatch.org. Quick Stakes O three eight seven or go to quickstake.com. That's Q U I K S T A K E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the
4: Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
5: You're listening to America's WebRadio.com. The pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Before we get out of this today, Joe, I do want to have you talk some about the symposium and, and what that's all about and how people can participate. But but before we get there, I, I did want to jump back a little bit to where we were before we left, talking about that the whole concept of bringing as many different points of view into the discussion when you're talking about how to do these kind of things and you know like i said we've been pretty successful with with ALTA and and the lenders council on that standard and i think we need to do a lot more of that you know we're we're actually now talking to the property records people about how do we figure out a way to get people's actual surveys into the into the record rather than like I've got hundreds of them sitting now in my storage unit where <laughs> practicing and they're not doing anybody any good, you know. So so that whole idea of getting more people into the discussion and maybe you want to expound on that a little bit more.
2: Sure. I, I somebody said to me once uh if you're not at the table, you're on the menu and and I think <laughs> that's a, it could be a stretcher, but I want, we came to the idea that, again, we can't control this through legislation, but we wanted to be able to make sure we had all the stakeholders at the table. So the founders committed uh, uh, were committed to making sure that we could touch as many different disciplines as we could. And we have uh, on our board, we have people that are architects, we have people that are service providers, we have people that are civil engineers, surveyors, um, hydrologists. Uh, it's from all different eyes we have people who specialize in scanning for oil fields for doing shipbuilding, and it, it, it's a unique um group of people we have um and to that end you're right this is the last session so there are a couple things i want to get in there's if anybody's interested you know you can go to our website and hopefully become a member but there's all types of committees from standards to codes and practices and leadership, and, and we need people to help volunteer and drive the, the future of this organization. I think you would find it a very welcoming uh, group of people. And uh, Kerr and I were talking during the break, and I think one of the ways you get to the point where um, you can accept other people's opinions is just being mature enough to know you don't know everything. Right. Um, and that, that was a, that was an eye-opener for some of us on the board.
1: And you would think that i'm going to be a bit of a, a chauvinist here i suppose but
2: um,
1: <laughs> it, but it, it doesn't have to be related to your gender but i was just going to say that if you're married you should already know that you can't have everything <laughs> in a way
5: <laughs> whether you're you a wife
1: or you're me. a husband i mean it's just the <laughs> way it is right <laughs> yeah
2: the um uh... You, you talked about the symposium. So we got together last year and we decided to let's have a symposium and let's have, a, we didn't want to call it a conference or uh, 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 or, you know, a user's group meeting. And we did our first one in Las Vegas and it was, it was successful we we did a dinner the night before and a day together and we had a bunch of sessions and we rolled out our um, actually rolled out the standards at a bit uh, at I believe at spar uh, two years ago um, but we had a bunch of committee meetings and it, it turned out good and we talked about well, how do we make that better so um, one of the goals is for us to sign uh, MUAs with other organizations uh, memorandums of understanding so We've gotten one signed with uh, the BIM form, which is really critical for what we're doing to keep the existing and the proposed separate. Um, we collated our symposium this year in Atlanta with the BIM form, um, which is coming up October uh, 15th, uh, no, not the 15th, October 16th and 17th in Atlanta, and on the 16th, we're given a class Uh, for people to review these standards um, and learn how to use them, and then there's going to be a test. And that test will lead to a certification, that you're certified in understanding the standards. And, again, we hope that's a differentiator to our membership or to whoever takes the test in getting work and and creating a building documentation sort of professional, um, if you would.
1: Um, As a matter of fact, as you were saying that, it made me think about the fact that as we get progressed and, and actually get our signatures on our agreement, which we've already agreed to do. It's just getting the signatures on it right now. Um, uh, we might want to think about down the road looking at places for to, to bring our folks for our meetings to be in conjunction with maybe some of the stuff you're doing because, uh, you know, forever we used to do conferences, and we've done a a small one the last couple of years with, with MAPS. But mm-hmm. for many years, NSPS didn't even hold a conference because our states were doing that for continuing education, and there really wasn't much reason. But I can see where holding our meetings in conjunction with something like you're doing would be a great opportunity for our leaders, too, to be to get directly involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, you go to conferences or, or symposiums or whatever you want to call them uh, for a bunch of reasons, right? You go for the educational process. Some of us go to um, to share and, and some of us go because you want to try to get exposure to clients, um, and I think we 're trying as an organization, you need to be aware of all those things. Not everybody wants to come and hear somebody talk about you know the water tank they scanned, but they may want to get to a client, so um, we 're a little conscious of that and, and this year, I think we have some really good speakers, and you know the success and and one of the things i 'm proud of as is the rest of the board is we 're starting to see these specifications. Come to us in RFPs. Um, it's not uncommon for us to get an RFP today that says we're gonna we're gonna crea- have to do a billing documentation uh, project, and we're gonna have to complete the model to the USIB standards LOA, and then they submit they provide the checklist to us. And I've gotten three of them in the last couple of months. Um, two were overseas, and one was in the U.S. Uh, so I'm pretty we're pretty proud of that. Um, so this year worry. one of this, go ahead.
1: No, I was, go ahead. I was going to ask a question. I'll ask that later. Go ahead.
2: Uh, I was going to say this year we have some really good speakers. Uh, we we have somebody from NASA who is actually their facilities manager, and um, he is going to, uh, they use the standards, and he's going to talk about that. Um, we have uh, uh, Dr. Bill East from the U.S. Army Corps Engineers, um, Peter Stevenson, who, who um, is very known in the in the world of Boma and Will Eichert, who who does uh, the BIM form stuff and I think that rounds out our speaking uh, group at this year's symposium um, and and it's gonna it's gonna be a time to get in at the foot of this group.
1: And speaking of being being at the foot, I guess uh, one question before we go away is ne- next steps. Were you thinking of would, would is there an, a A thought process of we'll expand this to other things. We'll try to bring in different groups, or we'll have different areas of focus, or just kind of what are you thinking? Where will the future be?
2: So, uh, if you know, if you look looking forward, we we have historic BIM initiative, which is um, historic preservation is a very large uh, sector of what uh, scan to BIM can bring for document documenting um, historic sites around the country and around the world. We're going to roll out some new documents, a bid score, uh, a form, statement of qualification. Um, We're doing online education. Uh, We've been asked by a few vendors to help um, with them doing some um, rolling um, webinars and and meetings throughout the country. We've participated in a couple of those as an organization and uh, I said online education, and more partnering with other professional services uh, like yourself, like NSPS, the AIA is important to us, um, the uh, CSI, Construction Specification Institute. The more that we can align ourselves with other professionals and make other people aware of the organization, I think will be tremendous. And once, you know, it's going to be recognized. Um, People that are doing... uh, Subpar work can only do it for a while, and it's important for us to control that destiny, whether we're using scanning, photography, or you know, a tape and a chain.
1: Right, and and obviously that that type of mentality about um moving forward and and having some assurance that that proper uh, procedures are being used. Who would be more interested in that than surveyors? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you would the, think that's what we live for. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about history I'll just join really quickly four years ago uh, four years and a couple of months ago actually I had Tom Greaves on the show when he was working for PsyArk know him well uh, and he he was talking about a lot of the things they were doing back then I haven't talked to him in many in, in years I'm not even sure where he is these days but it, it was a really interesting show and I think CyArk was kind of just be, becoming in the consciousness of the surveying world it was out there before that with everybody else I guess but was a really interesting conversation,
2: too. So Tom is with a company called Dot Products, and they made one of the first hand scanners. Uh, we own a couple of them. They're, um, it's a handheld scanner, and you can scan and mesh that scan with a terrestrial or mobile scan or LiDAR, you know, aerial LiDAR scan. It's a cool product. So um, going forward, Kurt, I just want to say that I think, you know, people on the radio, on the show may want to go to the website, um, once the paper uh, the mu uh, the MOU is signed between us which it is um, there are some discounts between memberships and between organizations and when we roll out our webinars you your the shared membership will get to see both them at a discounted rate um, we're like I said earlier we're always looking for uh, fresh ideas and some new blood in, on the committees and if anybody's interested there's an easy way to connect with any of the board members on the website
1: so are you guys in our last couple of minutes here are you guys looking into the future of what the uh the next level of possibilities are in terms of uh measurement techniques or or measurement uh equipment all those kind of things you're obviously you're dealing with with where we are but i assume you're looking forward and thinking about what's maybe what's next down the line
2: uh definitely um you know you got to look forward to that, so you want to be on the cutting edge of some of that technology. That's where you can help drive its direction and where you can, let's face it, we're all in business to make a little bit of money, and that's somewhat hopefully where you can drive a, uh, a service before it becomes commoditized. So I think uh, the next steps in this technology, what I see is photogrammetry, um, and uh, obviously the, the drone UAS stuff for exterior Buildings, but I see photography, and uh, so there's some radar technology that's pretty promising. But again, it, it it all goes back to understanding the level of accuracy and the data that can really be extracted from any measurement result, whether it's photogrammetry or a scanner or an invar rod and a you know a, a level.
1: And and so, yeah, we are looking forward. Yeah, and that whole discussion actually. Anybody in the professions, as you said, whether it's surveying or, or other people, can look at that and look forward to, you know, building a, a different and broader business model. Because, you know, I think it's going to be harder and harder to stick to a very finite business model. And no matter what you do,
2: no, I, I agree. It, it is more challenging. But you know what? That's challenging is fun. You know, it's 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 what makes it interesting.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And it sounds like. Um, what you guys have going on in your company as well as at, at the organization um, it does create those kind of challenges and keeps you on your toes all the time and you don't have an opportunity to to languish around so to speak
2: you, nah. you have
1: to be on top and that's where we really want all of our professionals to be I think
2: and it's really nice to, to what you know some of us say to give back and, and to the younger people and hope that they have a secure career going forward and that they understand right. the challenges that we faced
1: yep Well, thanks so much for being with me today, Joe. I really appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you you. soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
5: Take care. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.